This is Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast. Episode 033, Can't Get It Out of My Head. Out of My Head is the second track on side one of El Dorado, a symphony by the Electric Light Orchestra. It was first recorded between February 11th through the 15th in 1974, with extra mixing and editing done through the summer of 1974 at the Delane Lee Studios in London. The recording engineer for the album, Kenny Denton, said, There was a piano vocal of a song, chorus line entitled The Last Days of September. A few years ago, I found a copy of it in my loft and sent the unfinished recording to Lou Clark and asked him if he knew why Jeff never finished it and why this track never made it on the album. He replied to me with the following. I think the track could have come to something. Well, it kind of did, in as much as the sequence at the intro and outro and bridge is pretty well can't get it out of my head, and the vocal line above, it is what the choir sang on the song. I remember Jeff calling me a couple of days before the sessions and singing that line and asking me to include it. Denton commented on his editing. Whenever I heard the finished album over the years, the edits I did on the original multi-tracks are appalling. Cutting two inch in those days was in its infancy, but this is no excuse. My edits are dreadful. In America, the song hit the Billboard Hot 100 on December 21, 1974. On June 6, 2001, Jeff Lynne called the song an old sausage of a number. In the liner notes for Ticket to the Moon, the very best of the Electric Light Orchestra Volume 2, Jeff said, This is the way I've always wanted the group to sound, what I was aiming for in the first place. It's the first time it's actually sounded like an Electric Light Orchestra. The video for the song was shot at Forshaw Heath Lane in Birmingham. It's the first time we see Mick Kaminsky playing an electric blue violin, and the first time Kelly Grocutt is seen as a shiny new member of the band. The song was sampled in 20.01 on the daft punk song Face to Face, and used in the 1977 movie Joyride. Hi, I'm Eric Winsensen. And I'm Eric Paul Johnson. And a song that I just, for some reason, it floats around in my noggin. Like you can't get it out of your head or something? Yeah, something like that. Mm. We're finally there, finally to one of ELO's best songs, and the first song that actually made a big splash here in the U.S., even though it was in a severely edited form when it did. You talk about bad edits on Roll Over Beethoven. We're talking entire choruses missing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, yes, children, please listen to the album version. Mm -hmm. Love this song, especially the imagery it draws up. After you get the whole introduction to dreams and everything, what we have here is the unwoken fool, or however he's described in the overture, sitting there in his office thinking of a dream that he had of some woman the night before and how he just can't wait to get back and see her again. Yeah, that's the thing, is that you're thinking that, no, this can't get it out of my head thing. It's not a song. It's basically, he can't get out of his head this very vivid dream that he had the night before. And, well, everything that's in his mundane life is not really doing it for him at this point. What I love at the start is how the Eldorado Overture just smoothly goes right into Can't Get It Out of My Head. I think it's brilliant how the last few notes of Eldorado Overture sound like it belongs to be going right into Can't Get It Out of My Head, even though they're two different songs. And that it's obvious when Can't Get It Out of My Head starts, but it's not jarring. It's like it just seamlessly blends into the other. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful song. I love all of it. There's nothing bad I can say about it. But I'm going to talk about a couple of things that I always associate with this song. From February 9th, 1981 to February 8th, 1983, there was a morning man on KZZP there in Phoenix, and I listened to him every single day. Now, the first time I ever heard this song... I'm sure I heard it before, but this is the first time that it stuck in my head. Pun kind of intended. You'll understand why as we go on. On December 29th, 1981, he was playing some of the bits that he had done over the year. It was an end-of-year flashback show, so here's some of the things that we did this year. Remember when we did this? And that's when I first heard Can't Get It Out of My Head and remembered hearing it. Because he played it right after reading a story about a guy who was in an accident with his pickup truck. He was a construction guy, and as a result of the accident, he wound up getting a seven-foot crowbar shot through his head. And it stuck in there for a little bit. They cut the crowbar out, and he lived. And then John played Can't Get It Out of My Head. And then he did it again on August 23rd when he read a story about a guy who got a nine-foot javelin stuck in his head. So every time I hear Can't Get It Out of My Head... I think of people with steel rods shot through their gourd. They took the tip out of his head and the guy lived, mm. even though he was skewered. And he's uh, singing some background on this. Manuel Ortega, live on stage with a 14-foot javelin through his head, coming soon to the Coliseum. So the other thing I associate with this song is getting Madeline to go to sleep. She was about four or something like that, and she wasn't in the mood to hear the Itsy Bitsy Spider or Pinky in the Brain anymore. She wanted something else. And I was trying to think of something that could play that wouldn't get her all riled up and dancing again that would calm her out. So I went with Can't Get It Out of My Head. And that was the first time that she, I had played her ELO. And she liked it. And she liked it a lot. And she still likes it a lot. So... I've done my job well of making sure that Madeline is exposed to the right kind of music. And not going straight for the Benadryl like I would have. <laughs> no, no. That, that came... Benadryl cookies. <laughs> hadn't thought of that. I have, have to give that a try. Uh, so. Don't do it. Uh, the, the CPS doesn't like it, for one. Probably Tala doesn't like it either. Uh, well, 
Yeah, some people <laughs> some people can be killjoys. That's true. Now, one thing that I am going to be mentioning off and on here as we go through this album is one of my favorite novels, even though the author of it didn't exactly like it and it wasn't published until after he was dead. And it does have some parts that drag. It's called The Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, and it's by H.P. Lovecraft. And the reason I mention that is because this album, in a lot of places, even though certain circumstances are different, reminds me of that novel a bit. So I wonder if Jeff Lynne may have been slightly influenced by it, because the novel basically starts out with three times the narrator is seen as dreamed of a golden city, and then all of a sudden he stops dreaming of it and then goes into the land of dreams and talks the guardian priests into letting him go on a quest to find the city, even though they warn him away from it. That whole idea of El Dorado, which is the golden city and everything, representing this particular character's dream world, pretty much reminds me of that and it seems like we're getting into a beginning where it may not be a golden city that he's looking for but it's this silver lady walking on the water that has entranced him and is becoming the uh, dreamer's new obsession there's a large battle between an army of cats and evil moon people that are allied with an elder god okay i got yeah yeah. so (laughs) i gotta read this then so this is another one of those songs that jeff lynn remade for the elo hits package in 2012 yeah i noticed that yeah um of course not as good as the original i think they do a really good job of recreating the synthesizer solo 40 whatever years later almost but i again it's better on the original version The 2012 version, it sticks out. I mean, I know it's obvious in the original version, and in the 2012 one, when the synthesizer goes all wavy and woo-woo-woo-woo stuff, it seems like the attack on the bending of the sound is much harder and swoopier, and it's almost like a roller coaster. I like the original because it sounds like a harpsichord. It sounds like Tandy may have composed this on a harpsichord or something like that and then just kind of translated the sound to a synthesizer. I can see that. I hadn't thought of that before. And there's also a video for this song. There's not much to it. just shows it looks like a cottage in the middle of an English field and it slowly zooms in and eventually dissolves into the band playing inside this cottage, playing the greatly edited single version of the song. And in the UK, this song didn't even chart. I know. And that blew my mind when I found that out. It was like, it totally bombed over there. Like, wait, what? I just thought this was a huge song everywhere. Nope. Only in the United States. And without this song, they probably would have been dropped at some point by their label because they weren't really doing that well. And I think this put a lot of life behind the band and really got them going in the direction that they were going to go into. Thank you, Jeff Lynn's dad, for telling Jeff his songs suck. Go write a good one. Got something to say about can't get it out of my head? Then call the telephone line voicemail. 623-850-3375. Call now. American Top 40. Here's the highest debuting record of the week. It's titled, Can't Get It Out of My Head. The Electric Light Orchestra at number 33 this week in the countdown. 
Can't Get It Out of My Head turned out to be a major turning point for Electric Light Orchestra, at least in the United States. The single version was released in November 1974 in the United States, which was heavily edited. Made it all the way to number nine on the Billboard charts, making it ELO's first top 10 song in the U.S. and really their first major charted single here. On the other major U.S. charts, Cashbox had reached number 14, Radio and Records reached number 27, and Record World got up to number 23. Over in Canada, it did get all the way up to number 25, and also charted on the Dutch charts at number 20. In Australia, well, it basically just missed the top 40 a bit, peaking at number 59. Ireland is the other place that it was really popular, getting up to number 15. In the UK, in January 1975, well, they treated it like they did a lot of ELO singles, it seems, and it didn't chart. However, the song appeared on the ELO EP, released on December 9, 1978, and that got up to number 34. The song was covered in 1976 by 100 Ton and a Feather, in 1989 by Silent Rage and Jonathan King, in 1992 by Clifters, in 1997 by Fountains of Wayne, Dick Blanchard did it in 1998, Carl Rusk in 2000, Doug Powell in 2001, The Jayhawks in 2002, Piano Works in 2003, Jody Raffowell in 2004, P. Hux in 2005, Silverwood Quartet Creed Sight, Jonathan King, and Teresa Ennis. In 2008, it was done by band Vaughan and by Chris Macfair here. Oh my goodness. Chris Macfair here. 2010, it was covered by Telekinesis and by Rubber Universe, and in 2014, by Transatlantic. The Electric Light Orchestra at number 33, highest debuting record of the week. That's titled Can't Get It Out of My Head. Midnight on the Water, a novel by Pam Van Allen, tells the story of Horace, a man with a bank job in the city, who escapes from his dreary, lonely life into an elaborate dream world of knights, shamans, and merry men. Based on the 1974 Electric Light Orchestra album El Dorado, Midnight on the Water by Pam Van Allen is available at Amazon.com. Great moments in Electric Light Orchestra history. Just before I made that album, I'd, I'd been talking with my dad and uh, he said, you know, the trouble with your tunes, he said, they've got no tune. <laughs> so I went, oh, thanks, Dad. Uh, great. So I thought, what will I do now? Well, I'll show the bugger. I'll, um... <laughs> I wrote all these melodic tunes on, on El Dorado and totally away from what I'd been doing, uh, which was supposedly kind of avant-garde, or as George used to say, avant-garde a clue. Um, <laughs> so that was the way it went, and I did all melodic stuff and I wasn't ashamed, and I said, right, that's it, it's all tunes. Played it for me dad, and he said, oh, you've made this for me, haven't you? <laughs> and I went, yes. And he went, thanks, son, it's great. 
Wow. So that was sweet. So I finally had some feedback from my dad that was really good. Like it? Hate it? What does Madeline think? I really, 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 really loved it. Wow, she liked it. Taste the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra Song by Song podcast, is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment Assorted Deli Meats Amalgamated. You can contact us by voicemail at 623-850-3375 or email us at eloftmpodcast at gmail.com. Keep up to date on the show by joining our Facebook group and spread the word about the show by sharing the link or giving us a quick rating on iTunes. You can financially support the podcast and get some good at patreon.com slash ELO pod. Next week, episode 034, Boy Blue.